Welcome to the Finding Fire podcast. I want to change not only the dreamer's life, but I also want to change the accountant's life at the same time. The reason is that if we could eliminate all that wasted time and money and anxiety um, that first-time business owners have to face, first of all, that would create a better business. Gosh, numbers, money, taxes, you're an expert on that. You run your own business. You are going to, you are an author, um, dream bold, start smart. Um, I guess, why don't we start with your entrepreneur journey and kind of talk about how you decided to become an entrepreneur? So I kind of was forced into it by the circumstances. Um, when I went to, to school, to finish school in the U.S., so I started school, actually law studies back in Belarus, where I'm from. And um, I came to the U.S. and I needed to continue to get bachelor's. Um, so basically, um, when I went for my bachelor's, I wanted to go full time because I decided to become a CPA um, and I'll talk about that separately, but I decided to pursue the licensing and New York was at the time changing the law for application educational requirements, basically. And I wanted to make it before that deadline so that I could get grandfathered um, into, you know, the old rules. And so I decided to pursue school full time. And what that meant was five to six classes a semester so that I could graduate on time for you know summer school, winter school. It was insane. But um, my full-time job at the time, I was working as a bookkeeper, um, didn't want to accommodate the schedule. I wanted to take specific classes with certain professors, especially in accounting. Um, and they wanted me there, obviously. I mean, I could understand it. So eight to, eight to five or whatever my schedule was. And sure. so I decided to quit and I basically kind of um, found five companies, small businesses where, who didn't need me full time, but who needed me for a day a week or two days a week or half a day or once a month or something like that. And basically sustained myself financially throughout college where, I mean, it was crazy time, not that now is any better, but um, it was crazy time, five classes, five clients, um, crazy weeks um, and stuff like that. So I was kind of forced into it by circumstances. So I became the time manager. I became the business owner, even though I actually never considered myself a business owner up until maybe three or four years ago, which is interesting, which is actually bizarre a little bit if you think about it. Um, so uh, I kind of, um, I graduated college and I graduated, I don't know if you remember this time, you probably do. I graduated in um, December of 2008. Um, and <laughs> that was the time when nobody was hiring. So, um, I kind of kept a couple of clients. I needed to get a CPA firm experience because, um, for the licensing requirements. So I was like, fine, I'll suck it up and work for somebody else for a couple of years. Um, so I, by the end of 2009, I've passed three exams out of four for the license and also found a job at a CPA firm at a small firm. Um, and I'm really, really happy that that happened that way, because if you go for a big firm, um, you basically do spreadsheets every day uh, for many years. And when and you go wants, for a small firm, who wants to do spreadsheets all day? <laughs> it's not fun work at all. And um, so 
you don't really learn the whole process because you because you're just this one little tiny piece of of the process right of the machine um so i basically uh went for the small firm and uh got to do um tax returns right off the bat um complicated tax returns it was great experience i got to do some audits mostly taxes and that enhanced my already strong bookkeeping um, experience. So I've been, you know, I've worked as a bookkeeper at that point for about four years, five years. Um, So then I kind of added that layer and it really uh, created a really great skill for for me. And so in 2012, um, I actually wanted to quit for about a year. Um, (laughs) The second year that I worked there, just because it's really hard, it's demanding profession traditionally has been demanding profession and I wanted to quit. Um, and, uh, I sucked. What's the word? Sucked it up, I guess yep. <laughs> yep. for two, for two and a half years. And then when I get pregnant, I realized that I can't really, uh, work during tax season and put my, myself, my body through the stress while being pregnant. So I just started my own firm. I had clients on the side, um, you know, while working there. And um, I kind of, in 2018, I kind of um, completely, I guess, not reimagined, but uh, completely just had a makeover of my business. I realized that it was a business. I um, got coaching. I got technical coaching, uh, meaning um, there is something called tax planning, which is different from planning for taxes, yeah. uh, doing the tax work. It actually is valuable service that so many people are missing out on. And um, basically redesigned my firm, um, started to make about, about a year into this um, whole process, I tripled my revenue. I actually reduced the time that I work. Um, I realized what clients that I like to work with. Um, and if you think about it, traditional accounting model has never been great for the clients and the accountants, because in order to make a decent living, you have to work with 300 clients, but, um, and then you basically clients price shop and compare you to somebody else. But what I do is you can compare to a traditional accountant. So that kind of has been my, um, in a nutshell, my journey, but you know, in 2019, I decided to write a book, um, and stuff. So (laughs) let me know how much you want me to go, uh, in depth on that. Yeah, no, super excited about the book. And I definitely want to talk about it, but I think it's really interesting. Can you talk about how you went and differentiated yourself to your clients from from the traditional model? It's, you know, it's been quite a journey. Um, And I think that many business owners go through that stage where they feel like they're either stuck or have outgrown their profession. Uh, I mean, I've always loved taxes. I love working with small businesses because I can see um, how, how much difference I can make in a small business. Um, but traditional accounting, I guess, setup has commoditized the service because it always has been about what people need. I need to get my taxes filed. Okay, well, that's great, but uh, people hate 
dealing with that. People hate paying someone to do their taxes. They hate paying taxes. They hate thinking about taxes. Um, So, (laughs) so that's kind of, um, it's been this um, setup that has been around for decades. And um, I, to this day, Mm. I see accountants complaining about the fact that, you know, clients don't appreciate us. Well, of course, who can appreciate you if you don't appreciate yourself? So in 2018, um, I actually participated in a uh, Intuit. Intuit is uh, the maker of QuickBooks and so on, TurboTax. Um, in the Intuit's uh, contest for the accounting firms, it was called um, the Firm of the Future. And I believe there were about a thousand applications, maybe more. Um, anyway, so I made it to the top 15. A one-person firm from New York made it to the top 15 and was one of three firms that um, was US-based. So there were three firms from the US, three firms from Australia, I think, UK, India, and Canada. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, that kind of propelled me to start looking into these different things and, and really um, think about what it is that I want to do. What is my real skill? What is the transformation that I uh, offer to the clients? Um, and what I, re- what I realized was that I don't want to be the commodity of the accountants. I want to provide s- someone a service that they really need. And what, they, what people need is advice on how to grow their business, how to make smart decisions, how to better plan for taxes, how to create strategies during the year that will allow you to actually reduce your tax bill, not just plan to make a tax payment um, that you know, was calculated. Um, so I joined a coaching coaching program, um, business coaching for accountants, and also a technical coaching for tax planning. And immediately, over the course of about three months, I reduced the time I work in the business. Um, I'll tell you about where I am today. You'll be you'll be amazed. <laughs> but um, back then, I started making changes to my business, and um, realized that there's so much more to the client service. What I used to do was some monthly bookkeeping, some uh, monthly closes, um, some support and annual taxes. And I looked at the tax return as, oh, how much time is it gonna take me to get this ready? And then have an hourly rate of, I don't know, X and multiply the two and basically that's your Mm -hmm. fee. But what I didn't realize was that between those tax filing dates, people were still asked questions. People would still call and think that for the $600 that I used to bill in 2012 uh, for, let's say, a corporate return, they own me. They own my time and they can demand that time at any point. So I became super busy right up to 2018, especially during tax season, was super busy, but my bank account didn't reflect any of that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So you're starting so, to become more of like a partner with these businesses rather than just like their accountant. Exactly. I mean, it was a process of about a year and a half. Um, it, it's, I learned, I took a number of courses. I've done a number of coaching programs. I've learned so much. I've read a number of great books um, just to kind of understand what it is that I need to do. So Back then, I wasn't really differentiating myself as much. 
now I know exactly what my value is and what I can provide to you. And also I'm very clear on, on who my ideal customer is. That's very important because um, I don't work with everyone. I don't no longer work with startups because um, unfortunately they often can't afford someone like me, but what I've realized, and that's kind of how the book came about was that they are the ones who need my expertise most because I looked back in my, my career and my business and I realized that if I could only catch them when they're starting out, if I could only tell them don't make these mistakes because um, you found a cheap preparer who just put the numbers into the program but really didn't provide any advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started um, providing more ongoing support and started charging for it. It started with some oh, I'm going to get your financial statements and we're going to go over it where I'm going to explain what the numbers mean. So I started kind of teaching, coaching, I guess, people, clients um, about the numbers and how to use them for the business. Then I added this tax planning. So I started talking to people. Let's well, let's look at whom you support. Business is personal. If I as an accountant don't know how many kids you have, are you supporting an elderly parent or a dependent of a of, of different, different dependent, a friend or an aunt or whatever, how can I save you money on tax? Um, and, you know, there's a number of other things, but I started actually looking at a tax return as looking for an opportunity, an opportunity to put more money back into your bank account. And interestingly enough, small business has the most tax provisions and tax benefits available if you only know that. But before I went through that technical training in tax planning, um, I didn't know about many of them. And frankly, most traditional accountants don't know how those things work. Maybe they've heard of some, but not all, and they certainly can't handle it on their own. then kind of in 2019, I got certified in Profit First, um, if you're familiar with that system. Yep. Yeah. So Profit First is a cash management system. And I'm big on cash management because one of my biggest clients has turned from a poetry major to uh, the best CEO that I've ever worked with. I mean, with the help of a consultant like me prior to, to myself, and then with my help, we took his business to a completely different heights. And um, honestly, it's, a, it's been a great experience for the both of us. But cash management was always his um, number one priority, which is how it should be. Um, and um, I started offering that service to the clients um, and they loved it. They, see, they saw the difference. They saw the difference in creating bank accounts and shifting some money um, away to those accounts and having money to actually pay taxes at the end of the year. Right. (laughs) So that was transformational. And then one client asked me to have weekly meetings with her to to review the numbers, to ask to run some investments by me um, and things like that. And I started offering that to VIP clients and they jumped at it. So we don't always use the whole hour on Mondays, but we talk about things like, oh, I want to invest in this apartment and it's going to take this much money over this much um, time. Should I do it? Let's Let's talk about it. So now it's a service that's completely different and it's an ongoing service. It's a much more expensive service, certainly. But whenever I advise clients, um, gives me um, a a competitive edge um, is when I advise clients on cash flow, on pricing, I learned price psychology, I got trained in that. 
Yeah. Um, when, I, <laughs> when I talk to them about um, business management, because I have an MBA, um, I also keep my tax hat on. I always think of, oh, how is it going to affect taxes? So in a nutshell, that's basically what my business has been. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. Like, I've never heard anybody, any tax person or accountant ever make a pitch that feels so personal. I think that is crucial. And mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. One of the things you said is most, you know, regular accountants don't know those tax provisions unless they've been trained on it. And I guarantee 99.9% of the small businesses that are going into it probably don't know those either. I don't know them. Ryan doesn't know them. Nope. Yeah. What's um, super interesting too is, is just your whole mindset and like, what's your approach? I'm sure now you just have a lot of, you know, referrals, a lot of word of mouth, but like maybe when you were, when you were starting out, when you realized you're this kind of side hustle, like you said, like I have a business, like what was your approach coming to, let's say like me, I have a business. We have our first sit down meeting, like for me to trust you with all this information, kind of what was your approach? What was your main, like, you want to work with me and here's why. Um, as a potential customer. Yeah. Or as like you being my accountant or my partner in my business for like, make sure I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> so um, I usually, <laughs> I usually say that uh, if you want your taxes done once a year, that's not, I'm not the right person for you. Also, if you just work for um, someone else and get a W2, and have nothing else going on that I'm not the right person for you. Because honestly, um, there is no value exchange. You know, you pay me money and I get you the value, whether it's tax savings or um, cash flow um, advisory or whatever. But when it's just those, those two um, scenarios, that value exchange doesn't happen. It's not, it's not a good value exchange. So mm -hmm. um, I typically am very picky with who I want to work with because um um, I don't, I've was burnt once. I don't want to work with people who don't take responsibility for their actions, who blame everybody else for their, for their problems. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly worked with people like that and I just don't want to work with them anymore. So, <laughs> so typically when I talk to a prospective client, I, I have a kind of an advantage because um, first of all, I have a pre-screening process. Uh, I mean, I don't call it pre-screening, but it's an, inter sure. uh, it's an initial questionnaire that gives me an idea even before we ever speak of whether you're the right client for me or not. Um, and if not, I have a colleague that I can refer you to and that person is a traditional accountant and they can help you get your needs met, you know, get your book, monthly bookkeeping and taxes filed. Mm -hmm. uh, but typically um, when I talk to people, I already am familiar with their situation. So I have a service called... Um, a discovery session. Uh, and before you can book a discovery session, you have to answer a number of questions based on your person, personal situation, whether you invest in real estate, have a business or two or three, have kids, that kind of stuff. So that, and also upload your taxes so that I know what I'm working with before we even get on a call. And that also gives me an insight um, as to whether you can afford me or not. Mm -hmm. um, the discovery call is typically free. I also have a paid version of that called the solution session, 
And in the solution session, um, you pay me the fee, uh, basically, and I give you a second opinion. I, I, uh, in a discovery call, I typically don't share the specifics. I can tell you, well, I can do um, some income shifting strategy um, here and here, but um, I won't tell you exactly what I have in mind because honestly, I have not done homework. I just glanced at it. Um, so I can just offer you some, some ideas of whether there is an opportunity to save money or to work together, depending on what your needs are. But in a paid session, I will actually tell you, I think you should be an S-Corp or I think you should, you know, utilize profit first to help you manage your cash or whatever and help you do it. Um, so typically people, because people see how, um, I guess, thorough my approach is, I don't have to sell myself. It's all, it all comes down to the right package. So I have three levels of service and Typically, I only sell the top level, but sometimes when I see potential in companies that can get to that level, I will offer them um, a slightly lower level where they'll, um, they'll not get like an all-inclusive resource situation, but they'll get a really good support with weekly meetings and, and things like that. And I've worked with clients for a number of years, and, and many of them over six to 12 months of working with me actually are not afraid of their numbers anymore. And that, that's transformation for me. Yeah, for sure. Really cool. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. Like Matt, you can attest to that too. Just being comfortable with your numbers. I mean, that's gotta be a, we don't oh. have any, we don't have any numbers <laughs> yet. You know, we just started the podcast. Um, someday we hope to, you know, start monetizing and making this into a bigger and better thing. Um, which I guess brings me to my next question. Eventually, you know, when we do decide to start, um, one of the items I saw on your one sheet was three uh, mistakes to avoid when starting a business or three mistakes that can make or break your business launch. So sure. <laughs> I'm curious about that because we're, we're on the verge of, yeah, we're going to start something. So mm -hmm. there's much, there's many more than just three, but um, typically I talk about pricing Cash flow and entity. Um, entity setup is one of the most overlooked and undervalued um, decisions that a business owner can make. Um, it's often, people often go to the internet to figure out, oh, should I be an LLC? And most attorneys recommend LLCs because they're easy to manage. They do provide the limited liability protection and stuff like that. So, but from a tax perspective, LLCs are, will cost you the most amount of tax. Um, you know, there's, uh, there are also different decisions based on whether you have partners, investors and stuff like that. But I mean, you obviously have partner, uh, a partnership um, situation, but also many accountants and people and, and attorneys um, don't look beyond just one entity. When a person comes to them and says, well, I want to be an, you know, I want to form a business. What should I be? They usually say, well, just start with an LLC. Uh, I, but I agree completely. <laughs> it is bizarre that we're having, that you're saying this right now. Uh, a week ago, I think I sat down, Ryan's wife is an accountant. And I came to Ryan's wife and I said, Hey, you know, me and Ryan talked about starting an LLC, but I read that it's not very tax beneficial for us. Like, what do you think? And she's like, well, let me talk to you about this. And she's like, I, I don't know. I think you could wait, but I'm super excited. Sorry to interrupt. Go on. <laughs> So uh, many traditional accountants don't look beyond just the one entity. Um, 
I often use several entities and yes, it costs a little more to maintain those entities, but honestly, tax savings in most cases um, outweigh the, um, the, the additional costs of maintaining the, um, the entities. So I typically look, look at two or three entities set up uh, when it comes to something where a partner is involved. And even without a partner, I typically look for at least a two entity set up to minimize the tax, unless it's a personal service business, like an accounting business, for example, or um, I don't know, um, an attorney where they only need one entity that's beneficial for them. But basically uh, in my book, I actually, there's a whole chapter and it's the only chapter that's really more US um, targeted where I developed an entity selection matrix um, where I actually take you through, I mean, you have to read the whole book because I talk about partnering and investors and da da da, which then plays into this matrix. But basically in the matrix, I walk you through the pros and cons of each entity and kind of things to consider because honestly, there's no cookie cutter solution for everyone. Sure. Very, very cool. I'm excited to read the book. <laughs> I was gonna say, can we dive into the book a little bit? Talk sure. About that? Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So well, let me you... share how, how I kind of came about to writing this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how you came to start to write it. And just so for those that are listening, um, the title is Dream Bold, Start Smart. And it comes out soon, correct? It comes out March 16th, so three weeks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Congrats. Thanks. Well, when I first, I wanted to write a book for about three or four years. I heard someone saying once that when you write a book, you become the authority, celebrity, and expert, and it drives business to you, which is what I initially wanted to do. But then, um, if you know Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, I know him really well because um, I joined Profit First about two years ago, and then... um, I also know his um, writing partner um, that he works with, AJ Harper. Um, basically, three, the three of them, Mike, AJ, and um, Mike's book launch director, had an event in middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, um, which basically was for authors, for aspiring authors or uh, current authors to promote their books and learn the, the Mike's magic um, in promoting the books. Um, and I mean, Mike Michalowicz is insane uh, in terms of book promotion tactics. Like he's just, he do, he's done some crazy, crazy stuff, like good crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I went to learn from him. I actually initially wanted to write a profit first for fashion industry because I work with a couple of fashion companies and they really benefit from the profit first um, methodology. So while I was sitting at that event, I remember it was a really nice place. It's a rock lit um, hotel, rock lit Pennsylvania, which is where a lot of bands do their tryouts or whatever, something. It's very cool. It's very modern um, um, place and it's in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, uh, so I was sitting in that room and I thought to myself, I don't want to just do taxes for the rest of my life. I mean, I love my, my work. I love working doing, you know, working with tax, working with numbers, but I don't want to just do that for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, So I decided to write a better book. And AJ Harper, so Mike's writing partner, she actually is a phenomenal writer and a phenomenal editor. Um, And she has a workshop to teach people to write books that change lives. 
So I took the workshop, um, wrote my first manuscript over three months. I was writing at 6 a.m. We have 6 a.m. writing sprints to this day. And Mike sometimes comes on to the writing sprints. Um, and I finished my draft and basically pitched a hybrid publisher. The publisher was very excited to work with me and um, the book is coming out. I mean, this is this is in the background um, that I have, my, it's an actual book um, that already got printed. I got my copies, but the book is for someone who has a business idea or wants to start a business, turn passion or side hustle into a business and cannot afford to fail. The book is basically a roadmap for someone when it comes to money, numbers, and taxes. Um, I'm not a marketing person, so I talk a little bit about kind of fine-tuning your business idea, but from a numbers perspective, does the math make sense? Does it work? So um, in the book, I share basically most stories are actually all stories are client stories. Some names have been disguised um, to protect the innocent, but... <laughs> Um, I basically share the best tools for someone that I would love to have so that they could start better. Because by the time they get to me, um, they already have made a number of mistakes and probably wasted money or wasted time or both, maybe even shut down their business. And it breaks my heart to see that. It breaks my heart to see people use cheap accountants um, who do bad, bad work. It, it breaks my heart to see people not charging enough for their uh, product or service. It breaks my heart to see them not getting the tax savings that they could be getting. Um, and um, that's how kind of how the book came about. And, um, it, it, and it's really, it, it's split in two parts. The part one, Dream Bold, talks about validating your business idea, running the numbers, understanding whether or not you need a partner, um, understanding whether or not you need an investor and also talk about, I talk about risks, understanding your risks, because just that awareness alone can make a difference. And part two, start smart is actually, we talk, I talk about starting an entity, which entity is right for you. Talk about pricing your product or service. Um, talk about becoming a, the king or a queen of cash flow. Um, I talk about setting yourself up for lower taxes and then finally when to ask for help. That's the book in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Awesome. I know I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. March 16th, I will have a copy. I'm curious, what would you say if I were to ask you what your why is? What's your why? It's clear that, you know, taxes, money, numbers, like that's your fire. Like you look like you love it, but what's your why? Um, there's my dream, my bold dream is to have a society where someone who wants to start a business can do it better. Um, I mean, let me back up for a second. I also, I want to change not only the dreamers, life, but I also want to change the accountant's life at the same time. The reason is that if we could eliminate all that wasted time and money and anxiety um, that first-time business owners have to face, first of all, that would create a better business. Because when we, um, when we do better, when we build better businesses, that actually creates impact in the world. It affects all of us. It lifts us all up. 
So, so when uh, we could eliminate that waste, that anxiety, and that, um, that those mistakes, that could actually also create a better um, work for accountants because we don't love to fix messes. We hate that actually. We do it because we know that nobody else can, but we don't love that at all. And, and honestly, when you hire someone like me, I'd rather focus on helping you grow than un- unscrewing stuff that has been done wrong before. <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of my bold dream and my why. I want to make entrepreneurship more attractive because, you know, as a mom, um, I've certainly gone through my roller coaster of fears um, for different, you know, different things, different reasons. But um, I understand, for example, how moms feel because I'm a mom and I know how what it what it's like to feel fear to want to start something because you just can't be in that groundhog day every day um, when you want to be with your kids, but want to have something meaningful for yourself. I mean, businesses that have passion, businesses that have soul, they change everything else around them. They change people around them, they change other businesses, they affect affect other um, towns, other uh, states. Um, And I think that there's power to small business. So I want um, to change the world in a sense. I want people to do better and start better and not be afraid of numbers. And um, same thing with creatives. I mean, I'm not a creative, but most of my clients are. Um, And they are the ones who usually are anxious about numbers. They are the the ones who usually don't want to look at the P&L or balance sheet or whatever. And because they are afraid of what the numbers are going to say, but honestly, (laughs) Uh, if there was a way to change that, I would, I would totally do it. And I hope that with my book, I will. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And I think we, it's a common theme that we've heard on this podcast too, is from other, other guests saying, you know, when you do take that leap or you're thinking about entrepreneurship, it's not just a thing. Like there's money and numbers behind it and like have some sort of plan. If you are at your nine to five and you're thinking about starting your own business, have some sort of plan, have some sort of savings at least. I think a lot of people though jump into entrepreneurship because right now it's kind of the cool and trendy thing. And what you just said, the profit loss statements, like that's a real thing. The balance sheet, that's a real thing. And I think a lot of business owners just kind of get smacked right in the face with it without doing the research or reading a book like yours, dream bold, start smart of like, go with your bold dream, but start smart. Like, and here's, I can't wait to read it. Here's like the steps to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what would you say is the, like the hardest part, would you say for you as an entrepreneur, like what what's the hardest part of that? Well, for me, um, it's always kind of been the marketing part. Uh, like just today I was setting up my Pinterest ads and Reddit ads and stuff. So Um, it's something that my marketing director doesn't offer as a service and something that I needed to figure out on my own, but I'll give it a try. But it's just marketing in general is hard because for someone like an accountant, because it's not creative, like I'm not, I'm creative when it comes to numbers, but when it comes to images and brand and colors and messaging and so on and so forth, that's really um, a challenge 
even though I'm working through it. I mean, there's nothing I can't learn. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to do everything. Right. <laughs> I totally get that. I'm, I'm the marketing person in our family. My wife, my wife's in finance. So it's no, she's like, math and numbers are so easy. It's black and white. There's an <laughs> yeah. answer to it. And me, I'm just like, well, let's figure it out here. What can we, <laughs> Oh yeah. So for your marketing, then are you primarily just self-teaching yourself on how to do it? Or how have you over time overcome that hurdle? Well, I'm the type of person I look at things that I don't like and I do the opposite. So I'll give an example. Um, when I worked for a CPA firm, many, many partners of the firm would do their taxes on October 15th. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. My taxes get done first and then everybody else's because I don't want to be the accountant who dreads their own taxes. And I want to practice what I preach. Similarly, um, I never negotiate on fees. If someone says this is going to cost you X, I say whether I can or cannot afford it. I never negotiate with them. I never ask for a discount because I hate when people do that to me. Um, and, um, also similarly with marketing and other things, I don't try to DIY stuff that I don't know. So I hired a marketing director, um, who's doing uh, brand man, brand building and, and Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and so on and so forth. I've also recently hired a copywriter because uh, I'm launching a number of educational programs. I actually launched a number of educational programs. So I needed the sales pages to look better and things like that. So I, um, I make smart decisions. So I look at the numbers and see whether I can afford them or not, but I don't try to learn it all. I learn just enough to, to say, well, this is what I want, or this is what I don't want. Mm -hmm. But then I delegate it to someone who's better at that, than I am. Sure. I like that. Delegation is key. Exactly. Yeah. We were just, we were talking about that just of like the importance of delegating. I mean, if you, Focus on what you're good at. No, not only are you, are you if, and maybe it's somebody part of your team too, like delegate, make them better, empower them, but you focus on what you're good at to help grow the business for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, I found uh, really useful. I used to use Screencast and now I use Loom instead of that. But like recording short steps of videos for not only staff, but also um, other people, um, like, friends or colleagues, sure. um, instead of just getting on the phone with them and spending more time than you have, record a short video and send it to them and explain them, show them and stuff like that. That's, has been, that's been life-changing for my business. That's awesome. We've heard a lot of people utilizing like video and even like pre-recorded webinars within their businesses. I think that's becoming a really huge thing right now. Well, I can tell you that I used to work during tax season, 60 to 70 hours a week, um, not see my family much. Um, and off season, you know, a couple of hours, a couple of days, three, five, three to four days a week. Um, but now off season, I work two days a week. And, and sometimes I don't have any work to do on the second day of the week. I have Mondays, I have structured weeks, Mondays and Thursdays are business Tuesday and Wednesday is book courses and stuff like that. And Fridays is to connect with people, um, to connect with colleagues, discuss, you know, read up on some tax developments and stuff like that. So 
season is slightly different, especially now since my book is coming out soon um, in the middle of tax season, which was strategic, but it still doesn't make it easier. Um, but uh, the book's coming out. So I do work a little more than I would have hoped. But in general, last tax season wasn't like that. I would work five days a week, nine to five and get all my stuff done. That's amazing. Awesome. So I have one more question. Um, as an entrepreneur yourself, if for those of our, for those that are listening, maybe that they are on the fence about starting or taking a leap into pursuing their passion or that next big dream, what's one piece of advice that you'd give them? Um, <laughs> my favorite expression that I live by is, well, I guess I want my clients to live by, um, is don't fake it till you make it when it comes to numbers. I think that entrepreneurship is the most exciting experience of your life. Working for somebody else is easy. You get a paycheck, you go home. Running your own show gives you the freedom that you can never have working for someone else. So I'm, I mean, I'm biased. I think that everyone should have a business, but um, in the United States, the, the biggest employer is the small business. So it tells you something um, about the United States. And also um, the U.S. tax code is geared towards small, small businesses. There's a number of different provisions that actually are just for small business. So um, small business has really helped the American economy grow. I mean, I'm from Belarus. There was no small business whatsoever. And the economy is very different than the U.S. economy. Small businesses drive, drive economies and really make a difference. So... But when you do start a business, do it smart, do it better, pay attention to the numbers, make sure that they make sense. Don't fake it till you make it. Nobody has it together um, automatically. Nobody has it just happen to them. They're all of a sudden a great CEO managing their cash flow. No, it's hard work. So just be ready for that. You know, face your numbers and face, you, face them early. Yeah. As Ryan said, they're black and white. They are what they are. Yep. There's no, there's well, no, no, no. <laughs> numbers are black and white, but taxes with tax, there's a lot of gray. So that's <laughs> why so we need to talk to you. <laughs> Tatiana, this has been great. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, how would they do so? And how can we purchase the book? So the book is available for pre-order. Um, there's actually a bunch of bonuses that come with pre-orders. Um, there's bulk bonus, bulk order bonuses too. Um, all of that is on my page, talktotatiana.com, and you can find it there. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and we appreciate you and your time. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Hey, everyone. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, and don't forget to follow us at Finding Fire Podcast.